Special shout out to today's episode to SeatGeek. We recently partnered with them to become a brand ambassador. What does that mean? Well, for you, it means you get a special discount when you make your first ticket purchase with SeatGeek. With my code, InjuredListPod, you will get $20 off your first purchase with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is a ticket purchasing app that takes all the confusion out of buying tickets to your favorite sports, concert events, and more. They score each ticket on a scale of 1 to 10 to help you know if you're getting a good deal. Green is good, red is bad. My followers get $20 off their first ticket purchase using my code, InjuredListPod. Click on the link in the show notes and browse for your favorite events. Your next big night ever is waiting, and they have the tickets. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Special shout out to today's episode to SeatGeek. We recently partnered with them to become a brand ambassador. What does that mean? Well, for you, it means you get a special discount when you make your first ticket purchase with SeatGeek. With my code, InjuredListPod, you will get $20 off your first purchase with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is a ticket purchasing app that takes all the confusion out of buying tickets to your favorite sports, concert events, and more. They score each ticket on a scale of 1 to 10 to help you know if you're getting a good deal. Green is good, red is bad. My followers get $20 off their first ticket purchase using my code, InjuredListPod. Click on the link in the show notes and browse for your favorite events. Your next big night ever is waiting, and they have the tickets. Welcome to the Injured List Podcast. Your source for all sports injury topics. For the weekend warrior to the sports fantasy guru, we keep you in the action and out of the injured list. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the host of the Injured List podcast, Brian Scott. Hey, everybody. Brian Scott, host of the Injured List podcast. Thanks for joining us once again. Lots going on in the world of sports, so stay tuned. Every now and then I'll be dropping some injury updates for you NHL and NBA playoff fans, as well as you Major League Baseball fans out there. And don't forget the NFL is right around the corner, so we'll be doing our weekly NFL injury updates once we get started with the preseason. Now, tonight's special is a, a big episode. we got a great guest on this episode tonight. It's Rodolfo Martinez. He's an athletic trainer for Louisiana Air National Guard out of New Orleans, and he's a former athletic trainer at the Florida International University. He's a graduate of the athletic training program from the University of Pittsburgh and received a master's in kinesiology from Florida International University as well. He's going to join the show to share with us some of his expert knowledge on injuries and injury prevention and talk about his experiences in the world of athletic training and dealing with injured athletes and our brave men and women of the United States Armed Forces. So tune in after these uh, messages and we'll be right back with Rodolfo Martinez. 
This is the Injured List Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Are you interested in being a guest on the show? Or do you know someone who would make a good guest? Want Brian Scott to be on your show? If so, share the podcast with your friends or drop us a line and we will get back to you right away. Email us at theinjuredlist411 at gmail.com or visit our website at www.theinjuredlist.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Injured List Podcast with your host, Brian Scott your go-to resource for all sport injury-related topics. For show notes and other resources, visit theinjuredlist.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome, everybody, to the Injured List podcast. Special guest this evening, we have Rodolfo Martinez, former athletic trainer for FIU, Florida International uh, College down in uh, Florida, obviously, and current uh, athletic trainer certified for the um, Air National Guard out of Louisiana. You uh, got your bachelor's degree in athletic training in 2017 from the University of Pittsburgh, which for those of you that don't know, is a very highly regarded sports medicine program who was led by the late, great uh, Freddie Fu. Um, so excellent sports medicine department over there. Take care of a bunch of collegiate professional athletes all the time, I'm sure. And you got your master's in kinesiology from FIU after or before you started working there. Um, Rodolfo, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Brian. So I think a lot of the questions I get um, often from some of the listeners and from other shows that I go on um, centers around uh, the athletic training profession and what kind of goes on behind the scenes. So maybe you can kind of give us a little taste of what your experience was at FIU, working with the collegiate athletes at that level, and what a typical day for you was like and how you kind of dealt with some of the challenges of working in collegiate athletics. So I had such a fantastic time working college athletics, and it was really so hard to transition into my current position right now with the military. Uh, We can touch upon that later, but really... The way I describe athletic training is you have to be such a jack of all trades. You know, you never know what's going to walk through your doors of the athletic training room. You never know what you're going to have to treat or, or the, the conditions that you might have to deal with. Obviously, you have a sports medicine team behind you, whether it's your coworkers who are working other sports, your physicians and your PAs like yourself that are backing you up. Uh, but 
realistically, there's so much you have to know and you just have to be prepared to work with whatever may come up on the fly. Um, when I was at FIU, I had a fantastic experience. Like I said, uh, I went in to do my master's. So I started off as a graduate assistant. Uh, I started working with the football team for my first year. Uh, after that, I was uh, transitioned into working with the men's soccer team. Uh, so with football, it was a little bit different. You know, I'm working with staff. So I was very fortunate to work under Kevin O'Neill an athletic trainer who spent uh, 28 years in the NFL. So he worked with the Cowboys and with the Dolphins. He's worked with some fantastic names in football that a lot of you may recognize. Yeah, you know, for those for those of us in the profession, he's a well-known figure uh, when it comes to NFL football. That name just, you know, elicits uh, professional football. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, he's such a big part of why I went down there to learn under him. And I, I owe so much to him. Uh, but yeah, after I did football, I, I switched into men's soccer where I was working on my own. So different challenges, you know, obviously I was supervised and I could be backed up by my coworkers whenever I needed, but obviously a little bit different working on my own. Uh, and then after I finished my master's degree in kinesiology, I was, I, I was promoted full-time. So I became a full-time staff member and I started working with the baseball team. And I went into baseball being, I always used to say, the only Cuban who didn't like the sport. And, <laughs> you know, the staff and the players that I had out there, they really just gave me such a love for the game. And I've done such a complete 180. You know, like football used to be my number one sport. Now baseball definitely is. Yeah, I think a lot of uh, us former and current athletic trainers always kind of get hyped up and really excited about the football thing just because there's so much action. There's a lot of injuries that take place. You always got to be ready. You never know what you're going to get. Um, and then you kind of go into a sport like baseball, which is a little bit more downtime, a little bit less exciting on occasions. You know, you don't quite get those major traumatic injuries, but you always got to be ready on the field no matter what sport it is you're covering. Um, so, you know, I think what a lot of people don't understand and what I try to convey in my podcast and when I'm a guest on other shows, and, and I'm sure you struggle with this too when you get asked questions about sports injuries, is the big question, when, when is this athlete going to be back? What is taking them so long to get back on the field? And, and I always have to preface my answer with, you know, listen, don't think that they're not trying. There's a lot going on behind the scenes that you don't see or don't know about. Um, enlighten us about your experiences in dealing with the collegiate people because, you know, these, these are kids that are going to class, but then also coming to the training room and getting ready to compete very serious competitive athletes who are at some, some guys at the top tier of that particular sport. So, you know, maybe you can enlighten less about what your typical day was and how you dealt with that. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that's always the million dollar question, right? When will he be back? Other players will ask it to you. The coaching staff will, will ask you the same question. Uh, you know, it's really every injury is so individual uh, and it's hard to really predict timelines on things. Uh, but the longer you spend in your profession, you know, the, the better you can, you can predict timetables and the better you can recognize patterns, you know, realistically doing a bunch of rehabs, especially in the baseball world. Because like I said, you know, when I went into baseball, I, I didn't have much experience with the sport. Uh, but after a while, I just started developing, I just started recognizing patterns, you know, as I worked with different athletes and I started recognizing just how the body heals and how the throwing arm specifically heals according to the, the stress that you're imposing on it. So I think really you just have to, you just have to have an, an open mind, you know, with, 
when the athlete may be back, but realistically, you know, you have to tailor it to that individual athlete. You know, you have to tailor it to the demands of their sport. So obviously I'm going to rehab pitchers a little bit differently than I rehab position players. And a lot of these factors go into it when it comes to timetables, you know, for, for return to play. Sure. I think really my number one, uh, my number one key factor that I like to keep in mind before I let an athlete back to play is that I don't want them to be experiencing something for the first time when they first step foot on that field. You know, I try to make my rehab environment as close to the game type or practice type environment as possible. So, you know, by the end of the rehab, they're doing very sports specific activities. They're doing a lot of jumping, a lot of cutting, a lot of throwing, a lot of activities that you wouldn't necessarily see in a traditional physical therapy office. But realistically, you need to be doing these things to make sure the athlete is ready. Yeah. And I think you bring up a couple of good points there. Number one, um, that often, especially in collegiate settings, you know, the athletic trainer serves also as a therapist in a way. You're, you're not just involved in the immediate treatment and care of the athlete when they get injured on the field, but you're also in, in charge and responsible for rehabbing them, getting them back on the field. So it involves a um, very multidisciplinary approach. And, um, you know, one of the things uh, that I think people don't realize is just how much effort is spent off the field. For example, you know, when, when people see the athletes performing, it's usually during game time. It's not during practice. It's not during all those sessions where they're coming in for workouts or um, walkthroughs or just pure training room sessions where they're purely coming in to get treatment that day because maybe they have the day off. And the athletic trainers are always there. They're always working. <laughs> Seven days a week sometimes. Multiple seasons Absolutely. throughout the year. And, and I don't <laughs> have to tell you this. You know this. But for our listeners, um, you know, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes to get these guys back on the field and keep them in tip-top shape. And it, it happens at every level. You know, even down in high school, uh, where I uh, tr uh, did part of my time uh, when I was getting my master's degree. Um, we talked a little, you talked a little bit about baseball, that kind of being your sport as you got further into your career. I've, getting, I've been getting a lot of questions about some of these guys, especially the pitchers, as you know. It's always a big hot topic. Um, Jacob deGrom recently went down with uh, what they called a scapula um, stress reaction. And I got to say, I've been doing this a long time. That's new to me. And, you know, uh, everyone's like, well, when's he coming back and what's going on? And I'm like, well, they're playing pretty well. There's no need to rush him back. And this, to me, sounds more like a biomechanical issue. And um, maybe you can agree or disagree with me, but how, how do you see that injury and playing out? And it's, he's still not back. And he may even have started throwing, but I'm not sure if he's actually done any live pitching on the mound. It's been, it's been quite a while. He hasn't even started the season. So I'm wondering if you have any experience with that injury and what you think is going on there. So I don't have any personal experience with with stress with the stress reaction in the scapula per se, but ultimately a stress reaction is the same as you know any other in, in any other part of the body. So the typical one that a lot of people think of is is shin splints. You know, shin splints can be thought of as as a stress reaction along along the tibia usually. Um, so. Basically, with this stress reaction, you know, your rotator cuff, all of these muscles originate on the scapula. So obviously, the rotator cuff is a set of muscles that's heavily involved, heavily implicated in, in pitching and the throwing motion in general. So basically, what happens is anytime you throw, your rotator cuff is exerting this force on the bone that originates from on the, on the scapula, on the shoulder blade itself. So with overuse, you know, with, with any sort of exertion, you can develop this stress reaction. And he happened to have a stress reaction on his scapula. 
Uh, right now, fortunately, he has been he has been getting going a little bit more. Uh, he has been long tossing. He's started throwing some bold pens. Uh, he hasn't been throwing to live hitters yet, as far as I know. Uh, and he'll still have to have a rehab assignment. So especially as a long, as a starting pitcher, that'll be a little bit longer just because they'll have to build him up. They'll have to give him, usually they'll start with one inning and then they'll go to two innings, three innings, et cetera. Uh, but obvi- but for right now, I mean, he's he's looking good. You know, he's, he's stated that he's felt good. Uh, so I think realistically, and uh, we touched upon this before with, we can only speculate when it comes to uh, when people will be back. But I think realistically, we can expect him to be back like mid to late July, maybe early August, uh, as long as there are no setbacks. Like obviously, if they see anything in there, I think stress reactions in particular are notorious for you have to monitor them. You know, as the athlete keep, keeps building up, as they keep exerting this force, you have a potential to make the stress reaction worse, you know, sure. to exacerbate it. So as he continues to get going with this throwing, you know, they're obviously going to keep monitoring it. They're going to be continuing to do some scans just to make sure that looks all good before they can really, really let him loose before he gets called up to the big leagues. But obviously he's he's a huge name and the game is so much better when he's in there. Oh, yeah. You know, I think... The Mets right now, their their starting rotation has, is a little bit banged up because not only are they missing Degrom, but now they have Scherzer gone with that oblique strain. Yep. Uh, Tyler McGill, uh, who who started originally, is is now down on the shelf as well. Uh, so, but the the Mets keep winning. So yeah, you know, hey, don't mess with it if it ain't broken. I mean, don't don't mess with exactly it. what. Whatever works, but but yeah, like like I said, I think the game is so much better when Degrom is in there. So Listen, hopefully everything looks good. I'm biased. I'm a Mets fan. I I admit it. So you know this is all <laughs> good news to hear coming from a, another person because I I second everything you say. And and here's the way I look at it too. If you're a Mets fan, he typically, if you look at his seasons, starts out a little rough. But man, by the time he's in the middle of that season or toward the the second half, he is peak peak level and so if we can get him back in there and get him peaked for the end of that year to make a playoff run hey i'll take it i'll take it we don't need him in there in there right now so um i'm looking forward to him coming back it should be exciting and i'm sure they'll do a good job uh kind of getting them out there slowly so they don't risk further injury two times saw young man you can't do you can't rush back out there um absolutely but good 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 point of view there i like that um so i want to transition a little bit to what you're up to now, because now you're working in a very different arena. And this is not something that I'm very familiar with. And in fact, most of our listeners are not. And in fact, some people probably don't even realize that there are athletic trainers in the military. Um, I've seen athletic trainers on the uh, X Games tour. I've seen them with the professional bull riders tour. I've seen them on the NASCAR circuit. I've seen them just about anywhere you can imagine except I've not Cirque seen them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cirque du Soleil, yep. they, they always do a big presentation at the athletic training conference every year. Um, but I've never known or, or spoken or seen one who works with the Air National Guard or the National Guard. Um, so tell us a little bit about that because I'm really curious. So I had been wanting to transition into the military for a while just because as much as I love sports, you know, I think the military is such an underserved community. You know, I think a lot of times, you know, like they do, they do get healthcare, you know, they have great health insurance and they get a lot of things covered, but 
realistically, it's it's either hard to see a healthcare provider or they don't have someone that's specialized in what they deal with. So right now I'm working with a fighter pilot squadron. So my guys fly the F-15 uh, and you're experiencing a significant amount of force, you know, anytime you get into that jet. So, I mean, I, I, I'm not much of a math guy, but if we crunch some numbers quickly, you know, like you think of a head that weighs about 10 pounds on average, you know, you slap a helmet and some additional gear that can weigh another 10 pounds. All of a sudden now your head weighs 20 pounds. We have some very small muscles of the neck that are meant to control and stabilize all of these movements of the head that you're making here. The problem is now we add in the G-forces that you get from the jet itself. They're pulling up to nine Gs in that plane. That's crazy. So all of a sudden you have this ver- these very small, very relatively weak neck muscles that are meant to ask for sometimes up to, you know, 180 pounds, you know? So it's an, it's incredible what they deal with on a daily basis. Obviously a lot of neck issues that, that we, that I see, you know, in my day-to-day practice also experience, I'll also see a lot of low back issues as well. Realistically, this is just from compression on the spine, you know, like they, the, the forces that they experience when they're up in the jet, you know, they're acting at a whole bunch of different vectors, but basically all it equates to is compression at different levels of the spine. So you can see a lot of disc herniations and things like that. God, I can imagine that must take a toll on those guys physically after a while. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's very, it's very, very difficult. And as you see these pilots start to get older in age, you know, just things tend to accumulate you know it's just the wear and tear and you know like a lot of these uh, a lot of the older guys you know it's it's a little bit heartbreaking because you'll see the range of motion you have in their neck and you know like they'll they'll turn their head and it's 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 almost borderline unhealthy you know some of these guys have to turn all turn their body all the way instead of just looking over to speak to you you know Again, you know, I think for I think for me, one of my passions is is working into those underserved communities. So I've taken a real interest in in what they go through on a daily basis, and I've tried my best to specialize, you know, in flight medicine and in what they need, just as I did when when I started working baseball. You know, like I said, I I had very little experience when I first came into baseball, and everything that I learned about sports medicine and about the sport itself was just by asking a lot of questions, was just by listening to some great minds, and you know, figuring out, fitting it into my own schemas. You know how how that worked. You know, biomechanically, and how I could treat this as a result. Yeah, and uh, you know, the athletic training profession is pretty remarkable too. I don't think people realize either that even though you you undertake this field as like sometimes a freshman or a sophomore in college, you're pretty much thrown out there to the wolves right right from the get-go. I mean, I can remember my first day in my athletic training program. I was on the cross-country track and field and uh, uh, out there, you know, taking care of the team, basically myself by myself <laughs> uh, as a it's, you know, 20-year-old it's very uh, much a trial sophomore. It's very much I mean, there's no better way to learn. It's, it's a hands-on profession. You got to be out there in the, in the mix. Uh, learning that way. So it's, um, you really have to, you just kind of pick up things as you go, which is a, a great Absolutely. way to do it. And you supplement it with the classroom stuff. So, um, so that's pretty amazing that, that, you know, you don't, I don't think people realize the forces that are involved. So nine G's, that's like nine times, basically the force of gravity acting on their body during these flight maneuvers. Now, are these guys like combat pilots? These are not like show pilots. These guys are not doing air shows. These guys are potentially going into combat. These guys. 
Yeah, so so these guys aren't part of what what's called a demo team, a demonstration team. Those are those are what you think of as the guys who do the acrobatic maneuvers, the ones who are cleared for that. Um, but yeah, so so these are these are combat pilots. You know, we're part of the Air National Guard. You know, so it's not like they're in the Ukraine right now or somewhere that's that's more war torn. Um, but again, realistically, they're they're part of the National Guard. They can be called up. You know, at at any moment. You know, these are these are guys that have to be ready, you know, and, and they and that's my next point. I was going to say they got to be ready to go at any moment now. I mean, there's there's no injured list for military personnel <laughs> like you're not. These guys are not sitting on the bench like no matter what's going on with them. They've got to be ready to fly at a moment's notice should they get called into action. Absolutely. It, it works a little bit differently. And, you know, it's it was a little bit of a rude awakening for me as a medical provider when I came into the field, because into the field of flight medicine, rather, just because this is a job that they have to do on a daily basis. This isn't something they do for fun. And even for your more professionally minded athletes in the college setting who have aspirations to play professionally, you know, it's it's so much more for these guys, you know, so they they don't necessarily have time to deal with you know the nagging aches and pains they can't say hey coach i can't go today you know it's you you have to fly whatever it is at at all costs and now are these guys there full time you're working with them on a daily basis or are these guys kind of like uh, coming on the weekends doing their uh, mandatory duties these are like full time air national guard so we'll have uh, different pilot. We'll have pilots who are on different statuses in the squadron. Okay. So we'll have guys who are definitely full time. Uh, we'll have guy. We'll have guys who are full time and stay with the squadron for their entire time here. We have guys who are considered active duty, so they'll change bases. They'll change locations every couple of years. And then we also have the guys who are part time. So these are the guys that will come in on a drill weekend or something like that. They'll just they'll just make up their hours over the course of the month. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So we we've talked a lot about the differences between dealing with the military personnel versus the athletic population and the collegiate athletes. What similarities have you noticed when it comes to these two populations? Have you seen any like that kind of stand out to you? I think when it comes to mentality, you definitely see a lot of similarities. Uh, we, we talked about before how, you know, in, an athlete has a little more of a, a luxury, quote unquote, of saying, you know, like, hey, coach, I can't go today or something like that. And especially as workload management has become a lot more popular in, in the, in the modern, in the modern day world of ugh, athletics, you, ugh, know, I hate you can that. see that a little more. I get to, I get to <laughs> chills when I hear that word. Ba- basketball is notorious oh, oh, for geez, it. Don't even get me started. That's a whole nother conversation <laughs> or another time. <laughs> but, you know, you can definitely see these similarities in terms of that mentality, you know, like they both are extremely passionate about what they do. And when you're rehabbing someone from an injury, realistically, you have to view it from their perspective. You know, here's something that they love and they can't do it right now. So they experience almost like a a loss of their identity, you know, and I've, I've experienced this with, with both athletes, you know, who get significantly injured and also fighter pilots who get significantly injured, you know, all of a sudden they can't do what they love. They can't do what they identify as, you know, you ask an athlete, you ask, uh, you ask an athlete or you ask a pilot, you know, what it is that they are. Usually the first words out of their mouth will be, Oh, I'm a baseball player or, Oh, I'm a fighter pilot. You know, so realistically, you know, like I think that 
that mentality was was very similar. And, you know, I, I took a similar type of approach when it comes to coaching my patients up. Because realistically, there's there's a ton you have to do on the mental side as well as the physical side. You know, you touched upon before how athletes have to contend with classes and their social life and everything that they have to do on the field. You know, that very much has implications on their rehab process. So, you know, like... I very much like to get to know my patients, you know, figure out what's going on with them because that has implications on, on how I work with them. If I can push them a little bit more that day, or maybe they're going through finals or maybe they just broke up with their girlfriend, whatever it might be. If they're experiencing a little bit more stress, then I know maybe now it's not, maybe now it's not the time to stress them even more by ramping up their rehab. Sure. Yeah. And that whole psychological component is very much overlooked on a, in a lot of different, uh, sports and a lot of different arenas when it comes to healthcare in general. So, um, you make very strong point there. Uh, so tell me, I guess, as far as resources go working in the military, do you find that you get just as much stuff as you would get if you were at the collegiate setting? Are you able to use a similar equipment, similar, um, supplies and things like that, uh, similar techniques as far as treatments go and all those things? I mean, what, you know, you're not on an athletic field, so maybe you have access to a gymnasium or something, but does that make it a little bit more challenging getting these guys, uh, you know, healthy and keeping them healthy? It is a little bit more challenging. You know, I think that everything, every military athletic trainer position is a little bit different because a lot of them are independent contractor positions right now. So it'll be different companies who are employing these athletic trainers. So with every company, you'll have different personnel and you'll have a little bit of a different setup. Thankfully, I'm fortunate to work for a company that that supports me very well. Uh, so I have a lot of the same things that I used to work with in the college athletic sector, you know, devices like a game ready or a hydroculator with hot packs, you know, things like that. You know, I do have a lot of things at my disposal and I'm allowed to do a lot more than the typical military athletic trainer is, you know, a lot of mil military athletic trainers will get hampered in terms of what they can actually do. You know, maybe they get restricted to everything that falls under OSHA guidelines or, or something like that. Um, but, but again, thankfully I'm, uh, I'm working with, with a great company that lets me do, you know, kind of what I want. Obviously the resources are a little bit different. You know, in the college athletic setting, I have, uh, you know, like a whole network at my disposal, you know, and especially when I was back at FIU, I did all the ordering. Yeah. So if there was something I wanted, you know, I, I could get it. You could uh, finagle um, the budget a little bit, get what you want. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, so here it's, it's a little bit different in that I don't have an entire healthcare network, you know, at my side, because I don't necessarily work too closely with the medical group. Uh, so I don't necessarily have my own referral network, kind of like I did at FIU. At FIU, we had a uh, Baptist Health Network. So we worked with a bunch of great physicians and they were always available to us. So if there was something that I needed, something that I needed to get imaged or evaluated because I needed a second opinion or something like that, I could do that pretty readily. Here, it's a little bit different. You know, I'm a little bit more of an advisor in their healthcare, in addition to actually treating them, obviously, but I'm a little bit more of an advisor in the sense that if I think someone should get an image on something, you know, I just have a frank conversation with them where I tell them, Hey, listen, you know, like we're, we're trying, but th this thing isn't getting better. You know, yeah. I think you might want to get this looked at. Yeah. You got to kind of nudge them a little bit. Um, awesome. 
So speaking of, um, I guess, being an advisor and stuff, you also have a, a and we're going to kind of transition. You have a little bit of a side gig that you do as well. And we're kind of going back to baseball now. You uh, started your own little uh, performance training uh, thing where you work primarily with baseball pitchers. And tell, tell me a little bit more about that. I'm very interested in what you're doing with that. Absolutely. So uh, it was shortly after I transitioned into my job with the military, you know, I realized how much I was missing baseball uh, and how, how much I loved the game and how much I was still looking up research on, on all of these things. And particularly because I think baseball is a population that's also underserved, you know, like I was talking about before with the military, you know, I think there aren't too many specialized providers out there for baseball. Uh, so I, I have a passion for it. And, you know, that passion didn't necessarily leave once I left FIU. Um, so I was inspired to start my own thing. And it took many, many months. And it's still very much a work in progress. Uh, but I started something that uh, I started what I call La Gasolinera Performance Therapy. Okay. Yeah, I'm, for I'm glad I didn't try to say it because I would have butchered it. <laughs> I would not have been able to get that Latin flavor in there. So I didn't even try it. <laughs> <laughs> I try. I try to put a little spice yeah, on no, it. it you works, know? man. It works. <laughs> but uh, for those of you who don't know Spanish, uh, la gasolinera means the gas station. Uh, so realistically, I try to blend the strength and conditioning, the performance side, as well as the injury prevention and the sports medicine side. Yeah. You know, I think that in sports, especially, you know, we're going to see a lot of a lot of people who are familiar with all components of the puzzle, you know, cause it's not just me in the athletic training room or what my strength coach is doing in the weight room or what the head coach is doing on the practice field. You have to consider this really holistically and it all contributes to that workload. Like we were talking about before. And I think athletes are pretty resilient, you know, so they can push through a lot, but you want to make sure you're considering the whole picture when it comes to training an athlete. So I wanted to make sure I was getting both sides of the picture there, you know, the performance side as well as the health side. Uh, but what I'm doing right now is, is I have my own, I have my own website and it's lagasolinerapt.com. And I have uh, plenty of free resources on there. You know, for me, this is more of a passion project than anything, you know, I'm still working with the military. So this is just something I do on the side. Uh, but I have a bunch of free resources out there just to help athletes get better. You know, I know athletes are passionate about their sport and they want to get better, but a lot of times they don't necessarily have the resources or the people in their corner to do it. So, you know, obviously in, in a place like Miami, where I used to be, you know, you have a ton of providers, you have a ton of people, but for some athlete, you know, who's out in, in the middle of the country, you know, who may be somewhere who's a little more rural, you know, he's just looking at, you know, things on the internet and, you know, there's a lot of things on the internet that may not necessarily be the most credible. So I wanted to put all the information that I could out there. Um, so I have a couple of eBooks available on the website, things like how to warm up your arm before a game. Uh, but realistically, one of my favorite projects that I'm working on with that right now is an arm care exercise library. So, you know, I think that you see a lot of different exercises on social media from the big names in the game, whether it's Eric Cressy or driveline baseball or, or some of these big time Trevor Bauer uh, facilities. When he was, uh... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, but, I, I think that 
realistically, you don't see all of these things housed in one place. You know, it's very, it's very sporadic. You know, it's just kind of learning on, not learning on the fly, but you know, it's a, it's a very disorganized form of learning. Uh, So I wanted to make sure I was putting that together in one place. So athletes could decide, you know, when they were making up their routines, whether it was their arm care, their strength conditioning routine, whatever it may be, they can look at one place and say, okay, this is what I need to focus on. If it's bands, if it's, I want to do exercise, more exercise with free weights, more for the shoulder, more for the elbow, whatever it may be, you know, I wanted to put something in there that shows how to perform this exercise correctly, because a lot of people don't perform their arm care exercises correctly. And then also how it fits into the puzzle, you know, so I have different modifications, you know, progressions and regressions for, for the athlete to meet them at whatever skill level they're at, but also I have how it fits. So if this, if this exercise would be better for warming up your arm, you know, I have that. If it's more on the strength and conditioning side, so you want to load this a little more, you want a little more resistance rather than something that's low load, a little a little higher velocity or something like that. You know, I wanted to make sure athletes could be the quarterback for their own routines, the quarterback for their own health. And realistically, you have to be when you're an athlete. You know, you could have great providers in your corner, but you have to know exactly what it is you're doing and how to implement it properly. You know, you're the be all end all, you're the authority on your body and how it trains. So you want to make sure you're asking your coaches, you're asking your athletic trainers, all of these questions, you know, to make sure you're, you're doing all of these things properly. I have, uh, I I have training resources available on my website as well. You know, if anyone wants to do online remote training with me, nice. Um, I'm based in New Orleans for anyone who needs any sort of physical, you know, in-person type treatments, you know, whether it's a cupping, a scraping, something like that. Um, and I do work with some, some people here in New Orleans. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, realistically, I just wanted to put something out there that shares my knowledge. I'm not necessarily saying I'm the best or the brightest out there. You know, I, I mentioned a lot of other great names in baseball sports medicine right now, but I wanted to make sure there was at least one other resources that, that, that resonated with athletes and that they could use for their benefit. No, you, you make, you make a great point. In fact, you know, uh, as we, you were mentioning the social media thing, I mean, all I can think about is seeing all these like new things popping up on Instagram and on Twitter of these videos of these guys trying to, you know, hit uh, 90 or a hundred miles an hour on the radar gun. And I'm just like, well, there goes a labrum. There goes a, a, an ulnar collateral. I'm like, I hope that they're at least, you know, talking about injury prevention and not just focusing on the the physics behind throwing a high velocity pitch without talking about the kinetic chain and all this other stuff. So, you know, I think Absolutely. coming from you with your background, I think that makes a ton of sense. And I hope a lot of people are paying attention and listen to this because that's what you want. You want somebody who knows how to prevent injuries at the same time, maximizing performance. Anybody can walk in off the street and be like, oh, I'll get you thrown faster. We're going to do this exercise and this exercise. But are they setting you up for potential injury? That's what I get worried about when I'm watching some of these things on social media. So, you know, uh, Rodolfo is the perfect guy for you people out there. If you're looking to kind of uh, maximize your performance and stay healthy and safe while doing it, you want somebody with his background, your pedigree. That's exactly what what I'm talking about. And you know, we, we didn't really talk too much uh, before the interview, but I, I come from a very similar background, you know, bachelor's of science, um, master's of science in kinesiology. 
Uh, I did a, a year with a AAA baseball team back in the day, had a great experience, worked under a very seasoned professional athletic trainer who had been in the major leagues for a long time. And I got him at the tail end of his career. So I was able to do a lot with the team when I was there. And it was just a great experience. Um, my career path then took me in a little bit different road, but um, all the things you're saying here resonate with me and remind me of all those days I spent as an athletic trainer working with all those athletes and doing all those things on a daily basis. And, you know, I think the the importance of having someone like you on the show is to really highlight um, all the different things that go into it. And it's not just simple. It's not, it's not straightforward. And a lot of times we don't get all the information when we're watching or following our favorite team or our favorite player in the news, you know, you hear, Oh, upper body injury out three weeks, possibly coming back. But, you know, there's just so much more that goes into it. So much more happening behind the scenes, so much more information that's left out because the reporters don't get, don't get it. And the healthcare team doesn't announce it. And a lot of times the athletes don't talk about it. They don't want to give up a competitive edge. They don't want to, you know, portray that they're injured or that they're perhaps not on their A game. So it's, it's just a lot to it. And uh, Rodolfo has been great about pointing all out a lot of the things that happen in the background that we don't hear about. So I thank you for that. Um, it's been a great topic. I don't have any more other questions, but what I do want to know, and this is one more thing before we get going here, because I usually do a segment on the podcast and I'm going to have one for this episode as well. It's called the Throckmorton injury of the week. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Throckmorton sign, which you may have heard of. No. Um, it's a satirical uh, medical thing. And I'll let you look it up on your own time. You can get a good laugh from it, but Basically okay, what I do great. is I talk about some of the weirdest injuries that have happened to athletes and most of them, if not all of them never happen on the actual field of play. It's usually <clears throat> somewhere else. So I'm wondering just off the top of the, of your head, off the cusp here, can you think of a, a weird injury that one of your athletes sustained that didn't happen during practice or a game? Oh, well, if it's one of my athletes we're talking about, I, I once had an, I I've had, many athletes who have concussed themselves in very, very strange ways. My personal favorite was an athlete who I had who was, who was riding one of those electric scooters. Uh, he was riding it as fast as he could. He took a bump, but keep in mind, he has one hand on his smoothie that he just purchased <laughs> and his other hand that is texting at the same oh, time. Oh so for those, for those listening, he did not have three arms. So <laughs> I don't know how he was driving this thing, but predictably he crashed pretty quickly and he gave himself a pretty significant. Concussion. So. That's a good one. I have not heard that one yet. I'm sure he missed quite a bit of action, unfortunately on the field of play because of that injury that happened off the field of play. And that's, that's exactly what my Throckmorton segment is usually about. So uh, thanks for sharing that. That's a good one. And I caught you by surprise on that. So that was a good one. Um, and we'll great, great kid though. Great yeah. Kid. Yeah. Well, I you know, it, 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 it happens to everybody. Uh, some of the best, <laughs> the best of the best too. So Rodolfo, um, before we get going, I want you to let us know your, our, our listeners, where they can find you, what your social media handles are, if uh, they wanted to reach out to you via email or get in touch with you somehow to maybe set up a, a meeting or a session um, for their performance training. How, how do we, uh, how do we find Rodafa? Absolutely. So that website, like I said before, is La L A Gasolinera. That's G A S O L I N E R A P T.com. So that's my website. All of my resources are available on there. 
Uh, my Instagram handle is la.gasolinera underscore PT. Uh, and then if you want to email me, I always encourage people to just reach out, you know, even if it, even if you don't want to set up training, even if it's, you just have a question or something like that. I love connecting with athletes. And this is, this is a big part of why I did it, especially after, after I transitioned into the military sector. Uh, my email is martinez.performancetraining at gmail.com. Awesome. And, and I will make sure that all of this is in the show notes um, for the episode as well. So if you guys didn't get that, don't worry. You can just refer to the show notes uh, for this episode and uh, there'll be links and stuff um, there for you guys to click on and get in touch with Rodolfo. Um, so on behalf of myself and the Injured List podcast, Rodolfo Martinez, I want to thank you for stopping by. We really appreciate your insight and um, your unique perspective on the world of sports medicine with your uh, background and where you're currently at as well in the military. You're the first military athletic trainer I've had on the show, hopefully not the last, but uh, thanks for, uh, for enlightening us um, when it comes to taking care of our uh, proud American uh, soldiers out there. And um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Rodolfo Martinez, thanks for joining us. Brian, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for this. No, no problem. My pleasure. Thank you very much. All right, guys, we'll be back after those messages. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Injured List podcast. So glad you could join us. And special thank you once again to Rodolfo Martinez for being our guest and sharing his insight and experience in the world of sports medicine and athletic training. As always, guys, stay safe, stay healthy, stay active. And don't forget, we got some big things coming up in partnership with the Belly Up Sports Network and Media and I'll be a guest on some upcoming episodes of some of their shows. And then we got some big things coming for the NFL season, which is very quickly coming around the corner. So stay tuned and uh, take care, everybody. We'll see you soon.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.